We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. appetite for fantasy basketball chatter at the peak of fantasy football season. Uh, Rotowire is all in uh, on football, of course, this time of year, but we're getting close, man. We're, we're getting close to the start of the 2022-23 NBA season. It always flies by. Uh, we have a ton of content up on the site. Our draft kit is live. Our rankings have been live uh, for about a week now. We, you and I put out our own set of rankings as well to complement those, and we'll have a ton more content coming uh, over the next month and a half as we build up to opening night. But, uh, you know, you and I still chat regularly on Slack. Uh, we, we still, you know, talk NBA all, all the time. But how's everything going? I know you've already jumped in and, and done a, a fantasy basketball draft this year. I have, yeah. I'm in a I'm in a 30-team keeper league. Uh, this is a league I got a random email. Yeah, random email out of the blue one day like three years ago from someone who who hosted it and uh was like well it's 25 bucks why not um and so yeah we had our we had our slow draft uh started like a week or so ago and uh to give people an idea of how deep this goes so it's three rounds every year and you pick from the new rookies and then the guys who are dropped or not picked up the previous season my three picks this year were cody martin javante green and jordan mclaughlin uh to round out my team this year (laughs) Um, and I will be dropping Furkan Korkmaz, um, Dennis Schroeder, maybe Danny Green. Uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, Danny Green, who might miss like the entire season with a torn ACL. Like, that that speaks to how deep this league is. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to hold him. It really does. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting to see where people took the rookies. You know, yeah. Holmgren goes number one, Bancaro two. Um, I, I would say the only real surprise to me was Jalen Duran went sixth. Um, you know, we had a Shade and Sharp at seven, Tari Eason at 10. Like there's some like people, you know, there's some interesting stuff 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, the first non-rookie off the board was uh, Tyus Jones for Memphis. So best non-rookie available in that league, Tyus Jones. Yes. All right. Well, at yeah. least people are on top of it. If, if he's the best player available, that means these rosters are legit. Uh, what did Holmgren go number one post injury, or was this before we knew about the ligament? This was pre-injury. Ooh, but the thing okay. is, so many of these, so many of these teams are like they're just they're they're intentionally tanking harder than any M- NBA team could possibly imagine. So I'm sure even if it was post injury, some guys would still take him number one. Yeah, well, the 2013 Sixers are like really, really harder than any <laughs> team could imagine. I don't know about that. Um, okay, so we 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 want to kind of jump around and you know, talk about some of the the players who we had a hard time ranking, projecting, uh, and then, you know, take a look into some of the early ADP data that's out there. And, uh, you know, nothing against any of the sites that are supplying ADP, but it is all over the place. Um, you know, we, we've kind of determined that Fantrax seems to be the most accurate. I mean, obviously, there just haven't been that many drafts. And, you know, with some sites, it's hard to tell what format you're, pro- you're pulling from. Some sites are a little bit behind on guys like Kawhi Leonard, who didn't play last year. Um, so, you know, obviously that data will get better and better over the next few weeks, but uh, still interesting nonetheless to use as a point of comparison. But uh, looking at our projections, um, you know, we'll, we'll, if basically any ranking that we reference from here on out, if we're talking about our projections, will be eight category Roto rankings. Shockingly, Nikola Jokic sits at the top. Uh, no brainer of all no brainers this year. Um, it's interesting because in, in fantasy football, you know, I've been pretty boots on the ground on that this year doing the, the XM show. Uh, we've, we've reached like a fever pitch where I think people are bored of drafting Jonathan Taylor. And now out of nowhere, like Christian McCaffrey is going number one <laughs> in a bunch of drafts. And there's, there's no other explanation other than people are just like, I don't know, man, it's, you know, I've been drafting for six weeks. And I need to mix it up. I don't think that's going to happen with Jokic. I, maybe that's one of the, the key differences between fantasy football and fantasy basketball. It's like, I just don't really, no matter what the format, like I don't really see there being an argument against Jokic. The only thing I could think of is, you know, with Jamal Murray and with Michael Porter back, maybe he doesn't have to do quite as much, but those guys played two years ago and he was the runaway number one guy that year too. Right, I agree. Yeah, there are going to be some people who who read into the Murray and, and Porter thing, but you could also say, hey, maybe Jokic averages more assists this year then. You know, maybe he's trending closer to 10 assists and, and fewer points and it all just rounds out. I'm sure there will be some people who, you know, think this is the year from Doncic or, you know, I, I I don't know. There's just no other great options, in my opinion, besides Jokic. It's just he's a clear number one. I think you're kind of locked into it. Yeah, I mean, unless you're going to say with no you know backing whatsoever, I think Jokic is going to get hurt this year and play 50 games. You know, if you have <laughs> right. some sort of in on the, if there's going to be a Tanya Harding situation, there's really no argument because – even the guy like it is conceivable that Luka Doncic could be the number one player or, you know, Giannis magically shoots 85% from the line and all of a sudden he's the number one player. But you know, those like the thing with Jokic is he's the ultimate combination of elite numbers and durability. Like he's, he's literally the most durable superstar in the league. So like there's just, it's, it's really hard to mount an argument and I, I think we could probably move on. Um, but in order, the remainder of our top 10 came out as Luka Doncic, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, LaMelo Ball at number seven, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. Um, you know, the, the LaMelo one, I, th- I think, is probably what stands out most. But you know, he's not a top seven player in the NBA in real life. But if you look at where he finished fantasy-wise, it's not really all that far off. You know, there's there's some projectable improvement as he goes into his third year. So, uh, you know, that was one that when we kind of try to manipulate the rankings and the projections, 
you know, you don't necessarily feel great about him coming in uh, ahead of Stephen Curry, but we also have him projected to play 10 more games than Stephen Curry. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And LaMelo, LaMelo ranked 15th last year per game. So this isn't even like a huge jump for him. And I think you have to, you have to consider that until we figure out what's going on with the Miles Bridges situation, which he, I, I don't know if he's going to play at all. I don't know, you know, you have to just assume like this team is worse and is going to rely on LaMelo even more um, in addition to the extra year of development he's gotten. And it's not like the organization wants to go away from him at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like some guys just have super fantasy-friendly numbers. Uh, LaMelo is one of those guys. Uh, Halliburton's one of those guys. Um, there, there are always, you know, players who translate better to fantasy um, compared to others. Yeah, and with LaMelo, you know, we, we we took some liberties. We bumped up his field goal percentage. You know, he was just a shade under 43% last year. We have him at 44.2, so not a huge boost, but it would be a career high. Um, you know, we got the free throw percentage about where he was last year. He made a huge jump uh, from his from his first year to his second year in terms of free throw percentage. Same, same exact volume, uh, but made like 12 percentage point jump. Made a huge jump in threes. Um, you know, we, we have that bumped up a little bit more. Uh, but the biggest thing is, is field goal percentage. Um, you know, if he can, if he can bump that closer to 45, then he can absolutely be a top seven to 10 guy. And the other thing with him is he only played 32 minutes a game last year. So, you know, like you said, you remove miles bridges from the equation. Obviously they don't play the same position, but that's a 30 to 35 minute guy you're taking out of the rotation. There's going to be some trickle down there. And it's not, it's not crazy for a modern superstar, especially a guy who's as young as LaMelo to play closer to 34, 35, 36 minutes. So, you know, we have him at about 33 Point eight minutes per game ultimately that could end up being on the low end yeah and he sneaks up the rankings because he's a good rebounder he averaged you know almost seven boards a game last year we have him at seven projected 1.6 steals first his first two years in the league we have at 1.6 again gets almost half a block you know this is exactly how like Dejounte murray had kind of like a breakout amazing year is he's just he's a 20 10 and 10 threat almost every single night and he can get some steals as well even if you're not an amazing shooter um, you're just going to end up really high in, in the fantasy ranks. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be, I, I, I think he'll be a first round pick. I mean, maybe there are, you know, some, some fantasy managers will just be like, well, I'll just take Lillard um, or I'll take, you know, whoever. But um, I, I, I don't think it's like some sort of fluke that we haven't ranked that high. No, I don't think so either. Um, you know, there are some guys who I personally would bump up, like Towns is at 11. I would take him higher than that. Uh, you know, it, I, I think we, you know, we, we maybe need to account more for, for the game's play differential between he and, and someone like Embiid. But we also have Towns rebounding numbers, taking a pretty big hit, playing alongside Gobert. I, I feel like that's a given. He's not, you know, he's not as great of a, of, of a shot blocker as you would think. He's usually just over one block a game, which is not great. And maybe that goes down playing alongside a traditional center. Um, you know, I, I like Towns a lot, but I, I still think he should be a little bit higher in our rankings. But, you know, somewhere in the 10 to 12 range is not crazy. I mean, one thing that I, I kept just thinking to myself over and over as we're making these is there's just an insane amount of talent. Like, it, there are certain yeah. guys that seem like they're too low, and then you're like, okay, well, who are you – who ahead of them? Like, what two or three guys are you bumping below them? Because the league is just so, so loaded right now, and uh, obviously that translates to fantasy. What do you think about uh, LeBron and Durant? rounding out the top 10. Um, you know, I, I think last year felt like a disaster for the Lakers, and obviously it was, but LeBron had just a monster fantasy season, and the same was true of Durant. 
when he played, but both these guys have had major injury issues of late. Um, you know, even though they're, they're top 10 players on a per game basis, are you comfortable taking them that high? I prefer not to. I mean, you know, Durant finished second last year, LeBron fourth, although they weren't really separated by much. Um, I, you know, I'm worried about Durant's health in general and LeBron's. And then Durant also has the factor of like, you know, allegedly he and Brooklyn have hashed this thing out. I don't really believe that. I, you know, I think there could be some drama throughout the year. How much is he really dedicated to playing for this team? I, I don't know, man. Obviously he's a top, you know, he's a, he's a first round talent as is LeBron um, who had LeBron had an amazing year last year. Like one of his best fantasy years ever. Um, despite, you know, despite being, what was he at last year? 37, 36. Um, uh, yeah. Something like that. Father of three. I know for sure. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Um, but there, there are just other guys who are safer. Like I think Doncic is safer. Giannis is safer. Uh, even Curry to an extent. Um, so I, I think I would just rather draft those guys over LeBron and Durant, given their age and injury concerns. Yeah, I, I feel the same. Excuse me, I feel the same way uh, about LeBron. Um, you know, I, I kind of got burned by not taking him last year, and you know the fact that he missed uh, games at the end of the year uh, did did kind of end up evening things out. But I just at some point, and this is like year four of us having this discussion. At some point, he's going to regress, but it doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's really regressed to me physically or skills wise. Like he's just regressed in his like superhuman ability to avoid injury. Yeah. And it's like, if you're, if you, there's not really an argument for, Hey, LeBron's going to have less usage this year. That's not the case. Like even if they manage to get rid of Russell Westbrook, they're just going to get back role guys. Like the, the, you know, the trade that's rumored out there for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Like those guys aren't taking touches away from LeBron. I mean, they might add to his assist total. Um, And Anthony Davis is obviously a a huge injury risk, bigger injury risk than both LeBron or Durant. So there's going to be a lot of games where he doesn't play. And then LeBron's even more of the focal point. Um, So I think the concern, in my opinion, really, like you said, should only be about the injuries rather than like, oh, maybe this is the year LeBron pulls back from like a usage rate perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was surprised on Davis. We, he comes in as our 15th ranked player, and these rankings do take into account games played. We, you know, we went pretty aggressive and had about 60 games, which, you know, I mean, he's almost like a do not draft for me at this point. It's just been so frustrating yeah. the last couple of years. But I mean, he still comes in at 15, like, which speaks to just how, even though he's had two straight down years by his standards, um, he's still a, a dominant fantasy player. He's probably a better fantasy player than a real life player at this point when he's on the court. So, He's one of those guys that I, I I personally would not touch in the top 15. You know, I would rather have Halliburton or Paul George or Devin Booker or, or maybe even Anthony Edwards uh, than, than Anthony Davis. But, you know, if he finds his way into the 20s, uh, at that point, I would think about it. His ADP right now on Fantrax is 15.1. So right on par with our ranking. There's always going to be somebody willing to take that chance. I think so. Uh, I don't love it at 15. I mean, his first year, so, excuse me. I mean, it's tough. Like, his first year in L.A., he was second per game in fantasy. Incredible. Um, you know, played 62 games. Next year, he was 30th per game, but only played 36 games. Last year, he was 16th, played 40 games. So I don't really know. I guess I guess if you are averaging it out, it's about 15th. Um, I still would prefer to take him in the 20s. Like, if I have a mid to late second, you know, if I can get if I can get 
AD with like the 21st pick, I'm going to be relatively happy with that. I, I don't think I'm going to love it. Um, and it, it, it will probably worry me. And part of me is going to be like, well, shouldn't I just take like Rudy Gobert? You know, shouldn't I just take like Anthony Edwards or, you know, Sabonis or someone like that? But, you know, like you said, when he plays, um, he's great. And he, you know, he's a, if he qualifies at center in your particular league, it's a position of scarcity, um, especially if you're in a two center league somehow, uh, which I don't even know if those should really exist anymore, but there's definitely an argument to take him in, in a lot of scenarios. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
So two guys who come in back to back in our rankings, they're 24th and 25th, Kawhi Leonard and Bradley Beal. And Kawhi is in that, that Anthony Davis territory at this point where if he plays 65, 66 games, you're thrilled. That that's like the equivalent of him playing 80 games at this point. Beal, I Beal might be the single hardest guy to project in this entire season. Yeah. I have really no idea um, you know, what what's gonna go on there. Obviously, he's coming off the injury. Uh, he never really played with Porzingis, uh, only got a handful of games, you know, with Kyle Kuzma earlier in the year. They bring in another rookie guard and Johnny Davis. Will Barton is on the team. Uh, and, and, you know, more than anything, I, I think the biggest concern, you know, this isn't like a Damian Lillard situation. Like, I'm pretty confident that Lillard will, will step back in and look like his old self. I, I think the the abdominal injury pretty clearly explains, you know, any statistical drop-off before he was shut down. But, I mean, with Beal, it was a dramatic dramatic drop off in terms of scoring, you know, his assists were up, which was nice. Uh, but the wizards also didn't really have a point guard. Um, but he, you know, he was down like eight points per game. His steals per game were way down. Uh, his three point shooting was way down. His, his free throw shooting was down only shot 30% from three. He was taking almost three fewer free throws per game. So, you know, we, we saw him have two back-to-back super elite seasons in 1920 and 2021. Um, and, and, you know, some people, I guess will be, be willing to kind of explain it away uh, with the injury last season, but I mean, you're, you're probably going to have to take him somewhere between pick 20 and 30 this year. Are, are you going to be comfortable with that? I think he's firmly a third round guy. Like he, you know, he's still ranked, like we're talking about how bad of a season he had. He ranked 46th still. And I assume he's going to have a bounce back here. Um, you know, maybe he was dealing with some injuries like throughout the year before he got shut down. And you know, the, it was like too much of a workload. Like the, the usage, the miles he put on over those previous two seasons, like maybe it was just a little too much. Um, and I think, you know, Barton's there. Monty Morris are both there to kind of help, you know, relieve some of like the ball handling pressure. Porzingis is just going to take some ISO touches because that's what he wants. Um, so I, I think he'll have a bounce back year. And I I think, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to go much higher than than late second round. But if he's available in the third round, I'm not, I'm not going to be that concerned about taking him if he's there. Yeah. Oh, at that point, for sure. I mean, if you're getting him in, in the mid mid to late thirties, absolutely. Um, you know, it's like, if, if you're, if you're picking at like pick, I don't know, 22, it's like, I, I, I think I would take Kate Cunningham or I would take John Morant or Pascal Siakam or Bam Adebayo uh, over Bradley Beal, uh, a couple picks down. And I, I promise we won't just be going like guy by guy until we get to like number 150. but DeJounte Murray comes in at 28 and I, I mean, he, he might be second only to Beal. Uh, in terms of difficult guys to project, uh, you know, according to the ADP data, I, I think we're in the right zone. You know, Fantrax has him at about pick 26 and a half. He's going about pick 26 in Yahoo League so far. Again, we don't have a ton of data, so that will change. But, you know, I, I, I tend to think that this is a situation where I'm still comfortable taking Trey Young toward the back end of round one, you know, preferably round two if he's there. But I, I just don't see DeJounte Murray threatening for first round value you know, as he did last season, you know, a- after last year, we, we started kind of doing some, some look aheads to this season. And he is one of those guys that we said, like, you know, you could justify taking this guy in like the nine to 12 range in your league, because he's so good on defense. He shoots a good percentage. He's a, he's a solid free throw shooter. If the three point volume ticks up, you know, he could be an, a really, really elite fantasy guy, but you know, defensively, I think he's still going to be a monster. Other than that, I, I think he, he takes a notable step back in probably pretty much every category. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he slips quite back to he where he was two years ago, you know, averaging like 
16, 7, and 5 with a steal and a half for the Spurs when like uh, DeRozan was still there. But maybe. I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Trey Young is higher usage than DeRozan did on the, on the Spurs. Oh, yeah. So, and he ranked, and Murray ranked 65th that season. So, and I, I'd rather take him closer to 65th than 12th, which is where he uh, was last year. So if that's the conversation, like, yeah, I, I would rather take him towards the back end of that. And 26th, you know, where the ADP is right now in fan tracks. I get it. You know, I, I the steals upside is still really high. Um, I just don't know, man. It's, it's one of the most bizarre fits. Uh, it's, it's really just, it's hard to make sense of. Yeah. I, I get it from a talent uh, acquisition standpoint if you're Atlanta, but it's a, it's an odd pairing to be sure. And the, the kind of two point guards, take your turn uh, offense, I think has, has rarely worked in the NBA, but, but we'll see. I mean, at least defensively, you know, it should be an upgrade. I, I think, you know, one of the things that makes him such a great fantasy player too is he's a an ultra elite rebounder for a point guard. I mean, he was at eight point three rebounds per game last season. Um, you know, we we knocked that projection down quite a bit. Uh, he's down closer to like seven, seven and a half rebounds per game. I'm starting to worry that even that might be a little too high. You know, right. because the Spurs had Jakob Pertl, but that was about it. And you know, the Hawks have one of the elite rebounders in the league in Clint Capella. You got Onyeka Kongwu behind him, John Collins, who's a solid rebounder. Um, you know, DeAndre Hunter rebounds well on the wing. Like I, I just, I don't know if he's going to have as many opportunities. I agree. Yeah. I mean, the Spurs were trying to feature him. And like you mentioned, the Hawks have a legit front court, um, of guys who want a board. So yeah, I mean, if he slipped down to like six rebounds a game, that's going to crush his fantasy value in addition to the other stuff. So I'd be worried about drafting Murray. I'm not going to take him unless I feel like the, the deal is, you know, way too good. If he slips to like the fifties or something, I'll take him, but Based on early ADP, there's literally no chance that happens. Uh, two second-year guys come in close in our rankings. We have Scotty Barnes all the way up at 32, and then Evan Mobley at 34. Uh, you know, even compared to fan tracks, we're, we're, we're significantly higher on Barnes. We got him about a round higher uh, than the current ADP of around 47. Uh, we're, we're closer on Mobley. Fan tracks ADP has him around pick 39. Uh, we have him at 34. I, you know, with Barnes, like. I don't feel like we're going out on too much of a limb here. I, I think he's just one of those guys who, you know, like his stat profile just lends really, really well to fantasy basketball. You know, we, we haven't really, we haven't really bumped him up in, in any one specific category all that much. I mean, he was already uh, a 1.1 steals per game guy last season. We got him at 1.3. Uh, he was a 0.7 blocks per game guy. We have him at 0.9. Um, you know, he field goal percentage wise, he was like almost at 50% as a rookie. So you know, I was surprised how how high he came in, but I, I think I think when you just have such a diverse stat portfolio and you don't really have any glaring weaknesses, you know the the, the rankings algorithm automatically pushes you up. Yeah, I guess his weakness is his three point shooting, but he's still going to like hit one a game, and right. you know and it doesn't he doesn't really he doesn't take enough that it takes his field goal percentage. Right. No, his, his field goal percentage still hovers around fifty. I mean, I think you know I think the thing that. Um, you have to be concerned about sometimes with second year guys or I, it doesn't even have to be necessarily second year guys, but do their steals and blocks product, does their steals and blocks production increase sort of like the rest of their offensive production does that's, that's harder to say. And then you never know, like some guys, they come in, they shoot 73% from the free throw line. Like Barnes did. Maybe that doesn't improve. Like some guys just, they fluctuate their whole career, like six percentage points. 
And in fantasy, that can that can jump you up and down like a full round worth of value. So it's it's tough to say sometimes, but if you are a, assuming like modest development, which is what we are, like that's the point you're trying to make. You are his numbers this year projected are not really higher than what he did last year by a significant margin. Yeah. So if you think that's going to be the case, then like why not draft him 40th? Yeah, I mean he's one of those guys that. It could ultimately go in like the forties and fifties in a lot of drafts and could, I think it could easily finish somewhere between like 18 and 25 overall, because I think like he's going to stay healthy. You know, that's a big part of his, his rankings jump too, is we got him projected for 77 games. And I mean, that's if, if there's one overarching theme doing these projections is nobody plays close to 82 games anymore. So 77 is a massive bonus because a lot of elite players these days are playing, you know, 69, 68, 71, 72, anything over 75 is, is huge. And I, I think he's young enough and he's durable enough um, that, that, that really shouldn't be an issue. We have to bring up Kyrie Irving. Uh, he comes in at, at 37 uh, every year. This is just a chore. Um, you know, we had him on his own tier in our point guard rankings. I feel like he's earned that at this point, but then again, you look at ADP. I mean, he's, he's going in, he's going to pick 15 in Yahoo. He's going to pick 22 on fan tracks. I, I'm just, I'm not considering he is, he is for sure on my do not draft in the top 30 list. Yeah. Um, each of the past three seasons, he has finished sixth and per game value. Um, I don't think anybody has questioned that. Like he is that good in fantasy, but again, it's the combination of not only is he, I want to call him like a flight risk, but like, he just like sometimes doesn't feel like playing. Um, and you know, uh, last year, I mean, last year was a little bit of a fluke, right? With, with the COVID protocols and stuff like that. Like that's not going to be, that is not going to happen this year. So we take that off the table, but he hasn't been healthy for his career other than that. You know, like he's played over 70 games three times in his career. Um, he spent most of his career playing 60 or fewer games. So it's like, you know, yeah, this guy is a top 10 talent clearly in fantasy, but the amount of times He's only ranked 10th twice, and he's only been inside the top 25 five times in his career. Again, this is just injury stuff and absences. Yeah, I mean, it's the only argument is it's gone so wrong for so many years in a row that he's due to play like 75 games. <laughs> right. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be some people that say, well, you know, the COVID stuff, that, that's really the only reason that he missed time last year. And yeah, I guess, but he's, he also has a, a very lengthy injury history. You know, he's, he's not someone who has a ton of muscle on his body. He's always, always kind of dealing with some sort of injury. So I, I'm not really all that confident that removing COVID from the equation uh, all of a sudden solves everything for Kyrie. Um, Alperin Shangun. Yeah. We got him as our 49th ranked player, uh, significantly higher than, than some of the ADP projections, uh, a little bit closer fan tracks. He's going at, at about the 60th pick. You know, he's one that we, we went back and forth on when we were doing the projections and much like Scotty Barnes, I, you know, when you do the per minute stuff and you look at the role and Christian Wood is no longer there, I, I I think, I think top 50 makes sense for him. Yeah. Why not? I mean, like he, he's a great per minute guy, box score, uh stuffer. Um, you know, like he shoots a little, he shoots some threes, but again, it's like, we're not projecting him for anything crazy. Um, you know, 15, eight and four essentially with a steal and a block and a half, which tracks, almost exactly with what he did per minute last year with some improvements because he's a young player and he's going to be featured within the offense more because Christian Wood's not there. I mean, they shared some time on the court together and I know Jabari Smith is there and he's going to take his touches, but 
in summer league, Jabari didn't necessarily look like a guy who's going to be handling the ball a lot for this offense because they're still going to be giving it to Jalen Green a lot and Kevin Porter Jr. a lot for as long as they're committed to him. And Sangoon's a passer himself. So I think Jabari Smith's going to turn in more of like a – he's going to be you know catch and shoot. He's going to be making cuts. Um, I, he's not really going to be an ISO guy for them, I think. So, um, yeah, I think Sangoon is like – it's hard to say he's a sleeper necessarily if people are drafting him 60 pretty regularly. But I think he qualifies as that because he's relatively anonymous for like the casual fan. So we have Zion Williamson at 51. Uh, and I think he's somebody that we are – we consciously – kind of rank further down uh, knowing that it's not going to match up with ADP because he's, he's one of those few guys that no matter what people are willing to, they're willing to either overlook the health concerns. They're also willing to overlook the stat profile concerns because he's just like a cool player and they want him on their roster. (laughs) And we're already seeing that his early ADP data, you know, he's in, he's in the late twenties in ESPN. He's in the late thirties in fan tracks. Uh, His, his kind of average ADP comes in at about 36. So to me, that seems about right because there, there's massive injury risk here. Uh, there's risk of regression in some areas just because he hasn't played in so long. And, of course, we have to remind people that for as dominant as he was in real life when he played two years ago, it did not necessarily translate to dominant fantasy production. No. Uh, two years ago when he played, he ranked 50th per game. So I understand when people are like, well, you know, he's going he's gonna to get better, so we'll draft him 40th. Um I don't know, man. I mean, I can't say I wouldn't take Zion if he's there at like 45. Uh, at the same time, there's just, there are so many factors around like Zion being able to go higher and lower than that rank, like especially lower since they rebuilt the team. Like he hasn't played with CJ McCollum. He hasn't played with Jonas Valanciunas, who is going to clog up the lane. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't I don't know is he going to turn into like more of a role player because why you're not going to bring CJ McCollum in to, so I don't know I I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be as clear of a number one option as he was at points two years ago when they were clearly just doing point Zion like I'm not I don't think that's going to be a thing as much anymore but I think you can also make the argument um you know if he's just in this like pick and roll lob threat fast break monster guy who cuts some post-up plays, maybe he'll be more efficient from the field than he was a couple of years ago. Um, even if it's on fewer points, it's just, it's really hard to decipher. Yeah. I mean, more efficient would mean that he's shooting 65% from the field, which yeah. it is possible. I mean, possible. It, it, it's going to depend what he looks like physically uh, because he's not like the guys who shoot in the, you know, 60 to 70% range are like, you know, Capella, Robert Williams, like guys who literally just dunk. Um, and, and, you know, Zion's, Zion's looks are, are typically more, complicated than those but he finishes them at an elite rate so yeah i'm 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 willing to draft zion at the right price i'm not going to take him in the 30s i think there's just too much other talent available like it's not like you know you're choosing between him and some random role player it's like if you're taking him in the 30s it's like do i want him or do i want uh i don't know you know scotty barnes potentially or miles turner or you know jalen brown like there's who zach levine zach levine right exactly well here's a question would you Let's say you're picking at 45 and these guys are both available. Brandon Ingram or Zion? Oh, man. That's actually that's actually a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, I would go Ingram, but that's just the type of fantasy player that I am. Uh, I, I, I tend to be less Christopher's. Oh, man. I mean, Ingram only ranked 55th last year, like, without Zion there. Um, I might actually lean Zion, but it's close. It's close for me. 
Zion's a more fun player to roster. That's for sure. And I, I do think, yeah. you know, we, we like Ingram struggled when Zion was, was available two years ago. And I, I, from what you hear, I don't think he was thrilled with how the offense kind of turned on a dime and all of a sudden it was Zion's team. And yeah, right. that's just, that's who Zion is and how he plays. Like it's hard for him to, to just be a role player. And I don't think they want to develop him as a role player. So I, I, there's a case for Zion there, even if he's the more risky option. Um, you know, prior to about a week ago, we had Chet Holmgren as our number one rookie. I, I think, you know, based on what we saw in summer leagues, just the defensive potential alone, it combined with relatively high volume threes for a rookie big man, I think was enough to make him the clear number one guy. I, I felt good about where we had him slotted in. Obviously, he's not going to play this year. So we put him on the back burner and that makes Bancaro our number one rookie. And he comes in at pick 55, which to me maybe felt a little high at first, but there's there's always some rookie, you know, sometimes it's Carl Towns or Ben Simmons who finished like way up there. Um, but he, even in a normal year, you know, like the, the, the highest ranked rookie typically comes in in the like 40 to 60 range. So I, I think this is ultimately fine for Bancaro. Right. Bancaro 63 ADP on fan tracks. Yeah. I don't think we have a projected for anything crazy. It's just, I mean, clearly they're going to be focused on his development. Um, I'm not really worried about his usage rate at all. I think he has a clear path to be, you know, the number one guy. I mean, the Markel Fultz factor is a little interesting. I mean, he looked good at the end of last year. Um, you know, Jalen Suggs is a huge question mark. Like Wagner handles the ball, but I don't think that's like his best role. And it's not like Carter or Bamba are really out there like handling the ball or anything like that. And I, they're not going to prioritize Jonathan Isaac's minutes over Bancaro. Isaac is his own question. Um, you know, my only concern about like it's, it's not a concern about Bancaro's talent, and I think he looks great in summer league, and, I, and I'm and i a believer. This team has zero spacing. You know, and Bancaro's yeah. a guy who doesn't shoot the ball himself, and it's like, okay, you want Bancaro to handle the ball and kind of iso a little bit here and there and create for his teammates? Well, who's shooting the ball in the perimeter when he's got the – like, you know, the team's just going to clog the paint against him. So I'm a little worried about that aspect of Bancaro's season less than his actual talent level. Yeah, kicking it out to Mo Bamba for corner three. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I think I think with Bancaro, we might be uh, I, I, we went pretty aggressive on his assists. You know, we got about like four point seven assists per game. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, we'll see how much they put the ball in his hands. That could end up being a little high. But we also went conservative on his field goal percentage and, and put him at forty three point seven. So you know, he was like forty seven percent at Duke last year. Usually, there's a little bit of a drop off. You know, when you get to the the next level, but. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe those things kind of end up canceling each other out. Uh, I, I don't really want to talk about Jaron Jackson just because we don't know when he's going to come back. He's somebody that, you know, like the way our algorithm works, it, it really, you know, heavily factors in like the scarcity of blocks and, and steals. Um, and, and of course, big men who shoot threes. So, you know, despite projecting him for 55 games and essentially, you know, that the same type of production we've seen from him the last couple of years, to me, he ranks way too high. I'll, I'll say that. Like I, with, with, with the amount of time that he's likely to miss, I definitely would not take him inside the top 60. But, um, you know, mathematically, I guess there was really only so much we could do to, to try to, you know, manipulate his ranking. Yeah, unless you want to drop him down to 40 games, which, yeah. I mean, that could Maybe. easily happen. You know, I mean, he's going he's gonna to miss a good chunk of the season and he's injury prone anyway. Plus the minutes, like what's the minutes workload going to look like when he gets back immediately? So, you know, people on fan tracks are drafting a 103 I'm fine with that, man. Like you want to yeah. get Jared, like you just stash him on the IR, grab him at 103. I think I think that's the right spot to take him. 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do some work on that. You know, we don't want to mislead anybody, um, but don't take him inside the top 60. Do not do that. Uh, Josh Giddy, 58 overall, uh, a player who, who we may have to make some more tweaks to, you know, in light of the, the Holmgren news. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it is, is projection with Giddy. Uh, kind of a weird stat profile, you know, a, a guard who basically played small forward at times last year, uh, you know, scored, I think, better than we expected, but was not super efficient. Uh, you know, disastrous year from beyond the arc, not a great free throw shooter at this point in his development, but he's also, he's one of those guys who is, is going to be a triple double threat, you know, virtually every night these next few years. So you know, you're taking a little bit of a leap of faith with Josh Giddy, taking him inside the top 60, but I, I think he absolutely has that potential. I, I've not decided yet though, if I think the home grid injury helps or hurts it because it looked like they had developed some really nice chemistry uh, in, in summer league. And, and obviously, you know, not having Holmgren means more possessions in theory that are available. But I also think Holmgren is not the type of guy who's going to spend a ton of time going one-on-one anyway. Like I, I think, yeah. I think a lot of the things that he does well would end up complimenting Josh Giddy. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the point I was going to make. I don't, I don't think Holgram's like stealing possessions from people. I think he's finishing possessions and that would be off of passes from Giddy. Giddy had a pretty bad start to the season. Um, so if you kind of isolate his last 24 games, Averaged about 15 points, nine rebounds, seven assists in 33 minutes. That's great. The shooting percentage is still an issue. Had one of the worst, if not the worst, I think one of the worst true shooting percentages in the league last year. I think Jalen Suggs was at the very bottom of that list. But yeah, I mean, he ranked, you know, despite a slow start to the year and everything, he still ranked 95th per game. And so having him up, up at 62 as a sophomore, when you assume improvement, he's not losing any usage. He could be gaining usage. Um, I think that's fine, you know. Uh, the other people, like, if you're going based on ADP, the other guys around that range, you know, I mean, Jalen Brunson's going around that range as well. I would rather have Brunson. But you're also looking at other guys like, you know, do you want Christian Wood? Do you want John Collins? Tobias Harris is roughly in that range. And I think at some extent, like, yeah, I'd rather have Giddy than, you know, Tobias Harris or, um, you know, John Collins with his kind of question marks about his usage. At least we know Giddy is going to have the ball. So you said you would rather have Brunson than Giddy. I, I think I disagree on that. We could we could jump to Brunson, who we have we have pretty low in our rankings. He comes in at, at the 100th overall player, and you know we'll acknowledge that's that's quite a bit behind uh, where you'll find his ADP on fan tracks. I'm trying to look up where he finished. He was 50th in total value last year, but he was 98th in per game value. So he got a a big time boost from being you know one of those rare players who played 79 games last season. If he, if he does that again, if he plays 79 or 80 games, absolutely going to be worth it. Um, but if he doesn't, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see the upside. And like, I, I know you're getting away from like the highest usage player in the league and Luka Doncic, but I feel like it's, it's worse to be playing with the Barrett Randall combo. I don't know. But what I, what I like, you know, I looked up Brunson's numbers with Doncic off the court. Obviously that's not like, it's not a perfect one-to-one comparison. Like, Oh, with Doncic off the court, Brunson averages this, and that's exactly what he's going to average when he's in New York. But I think it's a better it's a better gauge for what he's going to average compared to like his numbers from last year. Um, per thirty six minutes without Doncic, he averaged twenty two, seven and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, and a steal. I I would assume he's going to average closer to that than his you know season averages from last year. I think he has a huge, clearly has a huge organizational commitment. Four years, 104 million. 
They gave Barrett an extension too. I don't know how much Randall wants to be there. I guess there could be, you know, if you have concerns about Donovan Mitchell coming there, then I would understand, you know, wanting to, to draft Brunson a little bit yeah. later. But I just think he's got organizational commitment. He played extremely well in the playoffs without Doncic, not even just the regular season, but also the playoffs. Um, and he's proven to be very efficient. So I like him a lot this year. I think I like him more than our rankings. I like him. I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily like him a lot more than like where the fan tracks ADP is, but I, per, I would, I would take him over Giddy. I would. There's an ESPN. Uh, it was like a GM slash scout slash front office survey that came out earlier this week. And one of the questions was which team will Donovan Mitchell be on the day after the trade deadline. And of the 15 panelists, one said Utah, 14 said the Knicks. So that right. I, I think there's still a, there's a decent amount of belief that that's going to happen at some point. Um, although if it happens after the trade deadline, you know, obviously that's a lot less damaging than, than having Mitchell there the entire year, but still something that's going to be hanging over uh, Brunson's fantasy value, which is a, a good point by you to bring up. Um, Devin Vassell comes in at uh, number 62 overall. Uh, not, not really a player that we've talked about in this kind of context in the past. Um you know, I, he's another one where you, you look at the numbers and it's nothing overwhelming, but he's a very good free throw shooter, 85%. Uh, you know, he's a high volume three-point shooter, and he's probably the number two option, you know, maybe even co-number one option alongside Keldon Johnson right now for the Spurs. So they're, I, I think they're the team that could produce the most variance where, you know, like even the, even the worst teams or the hardest to project teams still produce plenty of fantasy value every single year. We just, we don't really know what this is going to look like. I mean, they've had they've been a vastly different team every year for the last three or four years. And this is kind of the most extreme version now with DeJounte Murray gone. Yeah. There are a few teams where, you know, if you're late in drafts and you're just looking for something, you know, guys who could get minutes um, shots in the dark, especially late in like best ball drafts, for example, you got to target teams like San Antonio and Utah, especially Utah after the Mitchell trade uh, presumably happens, but yeah, Vassell, I, you know, he's, like you mentioned, Keldon Johnson is a clear number one there, in my opinion. And then Trey Jones is going to be their starting point guard, who I like a lot this year, actually, but is not he's not a scorer. He's a lot like his brother, Tyus Jones. They're, they're passers, low turnover guys. So I think it is kind of a sell at number two because Pirtle, Pirtle's not going to take on like more offense, I don't, I don't necessarily think. So, um, you know, and, and Vassell ranked 121st last year in a 27 minutes a game. I mean, he increases his minutes and his usage. Yeah, like draft him in the 80s, draft him, you know, if that's where he's going, like 80s, 70s. I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, he's shown a little bit of ability is, you know, average almost two assists a game last year. I think the combined, combined blocks and steals are really nice. Like one steal uh, one or 1.1 steals, 0.6 blocks in 27 minutes last year. So if he can creep up to two combined steals and blocks with two and a half threes, like you're looking at a really good player. Yeah, he's somebody that we you know, kind of felt like we're going out on a limb for, but you know, when you, when you talk about it like that, that was a great breakdown. It's like, if, if you're the number two guy for, for an NBA team and you're playing 30 to 35 minutes per game, like you're, you're going to put up numbers no matter what we, we see that year after year. Um, we have Kelton Johnson at 66. I, I think that seems about right. He's a, he's a little bit more projectable. We've seen him uh, operate in, in a semi-leading role a little bit more. Um, Jalen green came in at 68 and, you know, for the amount of hype that he generated toward the end of last season, I, I think on the surface, maybe that seems a little bit low, but he's just the type of player that I, I think long-term is probably going to be more effective in real life 
than in fantasy. I mean, he's a, a dominant go-to scorer. He's a high-volume three-point shooter, but he hasn't really shown that he can do much on defense. He's not a great rebounder for his size in his position, and he's, he's just a, an okay creator. You know, and he's also not playing point guard for that team. And, and even Shingun can pass a little bit. So, um, you know, we got him for a, a notable bump in scoring, a notable bump in threes. But, you know, if you're a guy who's essentially averaging like 23, 4, and 3, you know, that, that's, that's great in real life, but for fantasy, it's just it's not elite. It's, it's not elite, especially if your efficiency isn't great. Like he, you know, like he shoots a lot of threes. If he can improve on that front, it's going to help him a lot. Um, but yeah, until until Kevin Porter Jr. moves on, which, you know, it doesn't sound like they're super committed to him, but he's on the team this year. Um, you know, I don't think Green's going to handle the ball that much. We talked about Sangoon getting plenty of touches. So, I mean, Jalen Green's ADP is in the mid-70s right now. I think that's a fine spot to take him. I think his upside's higher than that. I mean, there's a chance yep. he has like a, you know, I he's such a he's such a crazy athlete and um, is really skilled at getting his own shot already. You can look at the, you know, his post All Star break numbers as an example of like what he's potentially capable of, um, you know, next year. Um, and f- for reference, those numbers are like twenty two points, you know, four rebounds, three assists. He shot forty eight percent from the field and thirty nine percent from three, taking eight threes a game. Like there's a potential he has like an Anthony Edwards type breakout. It's just how much do you want to bank on that happening? Like, how, how do you actually have to pay up for Jalen Green? Yeah, probably not. You know, I assume there's going to be guys in a lot of drafts who take him at like 59 or 60. I don't think you have to pay that high for him. No, I don't think so. I, but some people will. I think he's one of those guys when you look at, you know, I know if NF, NFBKC does like min pick, max pick. Yep. Like he's one of those guys that like his min pick is going to be like 24. Right. And his max pick <laughs> yeah. will be like 95 because there's going to be somebody out there. And it, it might be James Anderson okay. uh, who's like, no, this is the year it's going to happen. And, you know, Edwards is a, Edwards is a good point developmentally. Like he, he had an extremely similar rookie year to Edwards where it started off really slowly. And then by the end of the year, you're convinced that this guy's the real deal. Um, so having that kind of jump in year two, I, I don't think would be surprising really whatsoever. Um, we got Michael Porter at 75, uh, another kind of impossible guy to rank, uh, you know, just insane amount of variance here. His ADP will be all over the place. He's another guy who some guys won't touch at all. Some guys will, will reach for, I think this is about right. I mean, he has significant upside if he stays healthy. We penciled him in for 60 games. That, that was kind of just the, the safe bet, I guess. It, it could be yeah. a lot less than that. Probably won't be a whole lot more than that. But, you know, in general, and I say this every year, but we, we do try to skew somewhat optimistically. You know, like we're, we're not going to project Kyrie Irving for like 29 games played. Like that's just not – it doesn't really give you an accurate depiction of where he's going to go in drafts. No, I think this is the right spot for him, 70s, 80s. You know, you look at – you know, once ADPs kind of round out, um, after pick 60, it that's just like the risk zone. Like people are like, All right, I got my five players. Let's let's take some risk now. You know, it's a lot of like, you know, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Ben Simmons, Lonzo Ball with his injury history. People are taking Jabari Smith there. Um, so I, I it's a lot of those guys, and you know, his upside is so high, like clearly, you know, nobody nobody argues that. I mean, it's it's the same thing, like we've been talking about this since he was drafted. Like this guy has chronic back issues. He can't stay on the court, but when he's on the court, he's putting up, you know, borderline all-star numbers. Um, at least he was, you know, yeah. uh, two seasons ago in 2020, 21. Um, I, I think the 70 to 85 range, that's the appropriate risk for him. Yeah. I feel the same way. I, I think for me, he'll have to, he'll have to really fall for me to take that chance. And again, that's, I, I just tend to be a, a risk averse 
fantasy player, so I, I probably won't be touching him there. Um, let's, let's touch on Simmons quick, though. He He's outside of the top 100 in our rankings, and and I understand uh, you know other people, there, there's reason for optimism. He's obviously proven that he could be a much better commodity than that, and he's inside the top 70 in ADP right now, but I, I don't know, man. I, I would say Ben Simmons is the closest thing I have to a true will-not-draft with any pick. I guess if he's there at, like, 150, sure, I'll do it, but I, I just don't see this going well. I don't, I, I can't really picture a world in which everything that's happened over the last year just fades away. And all of a sudden he's, <laughs> he's back to being like, uh, you know, 17, eight and eight guy. Like, I, I just don't see it. It's a very tough draft. Um, I will say, so I, I, I'll use this as a point. Like I'm, I'm like you where I'm pretty risk averse, but over the years I found myself again, after that, like fifth pick, being like, we're going to shoot for upside because chances are I'm going to like, I'm going to be aggressive on the waivers after week one or two. Yeah. You can always stream guys. You got to take some risk at some point. Simmons is that perfect guy for me. Um, my assumption is that he will have his worst fantasy season yet. And his worst season was last year, which was he ranked 66 per game. So anywhere after 66, he's in strong consideration for me. And his fan tracks ADP is 69. So I think other people feel the same way. I don't love it. But again, I think it's the same point as we make about Jalen Green. There's going to be some people who look at Simmons and they're like, well, two years ago, he ranked 19th. You know? Um, well, three, I years mean, ago, was, three years ago. Yeah, three years ago for, for one. I mean, two, he's a completely different team context with the Nets, which is just like the most chaotic organization you could be a part of. And I like, where's so where's the improvement coming? Like, I mean, or even like, do you think he can match his numbers from two seasons ago? So that was that was like 14 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, 1.6 steals, 0.6 blocks, 56% from the field, 61 from the from the free throw line, uh, getting to the line like five times a game. I mean, that he, like if he averages, if he if he averages what he did in his worst fantasy season, uh, to me that would be like a miracle this year. The assist thing is tough because Kyrie and KD are going to handle the ball a lot. Um, at the same time, I think Ky- KD and Kyrie are both um, they're going to miss quite a few games. Yeah, I um, I think his rebounding is secure. I think he's going to play a lot at center. I think he's going to be grabbing boards. I think he's going to be running the fast break. I think he's going to give a lot of assists and points like that. And there, I think he'll shoot. Maybe, maybe he does shoot less than ever, but his looks might be better. I mean, it depends. Are they going to run pick and roll with him? Are they going to short, short roll him like the you know the Warriors do Draymond? That's probably the best role for him. And a lot of that, I should you know, we should clarify that that rank from 2019-20, he averaged a career high, maybe a league leading, 2.1 steals a game. So if he does those things, like I mentioned, gets refocused defensively, can get back up to two steals, then he could have another good year. It's just, like you mentioned, there's so much variability between we haven't seen him in a year, he's on a completely new team context where there's other guys who like to handle the ball. Um, it's hard to say, but if he's, at, you know, if he's on the board in the 70s, it's really hard for me to just ignore that. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree yeah. on this one. We, <laughs> we normally don't disagree that much. But like with, with Kyrie, with Michael Porter, with Zion, like to me the upside is high enough, especially with Kyrie and Porter, that it's like, okay, if this breaks right, I mean, I could, this could be a league winner. With Simmons, it's like, if this breaks right, uh, he, he, he like, if you're taking him at 75, it's like, if this breaks right, he finished 10 spots above where I took him. Like, to me, like, there's so much downside that, I don't know. I, I would I, I would take him in I'd take him in the 100 to 120 range. Sure, I'll even, I'll even admit that. But <laughs> no higher than that. I'm not doing it. I simply will not. 
Um, all right, back to back to people who play basketball now. Christian Wood, Dallas yeah. Mavericks. Uh, we have him at 82. Kind of a weird fantasy player, like horrific free throw shooter, but he also takes a bunch of threes. Uh, not a great shot blocker. Usually hangs around one block per game. Uh, there, there's reports now that he's apparently going to come off the bench yep. for the Mavericks, uh, despite potentially being their second best player. I, I we'll, we'll talk about the Mavericks plenty as the season approaches. I, I'm not really sure what's going on there, but uh, very difficult player now to project, especially if he ultimately does come off the bench, which I, I maybe he'll start the year coming off the bench. I, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's going to love that. No, he does not. I was listening to a podcast with, I can't remember who the beat writer was for, for Dallas, uh, but the understanding or the thought was kid wants him to prove that he will commit to defense before he puts him in the starting lineup, which terrifies uh, me. Does he have to sign a contract that he's going to play defense? Is that, is this one yeah, of those like, situations? Like how Wiggins promised he would yeah. improve uh, before he signed that max <laughs> deal with the, with the wolves. Yeah. This concerns me a lot that he's, that he's going to be coming off the bench. Um, you know, like he, for example, okay. Last year he played 31 minutes a game ranked 74th per game in fantasy. People are drafting him 58th this year on Fantrax, ESPN, and Yahoo. He's all in the 50s. I don't know how that happens. How is he getting better? How is he getting more usage? How, like he's He might play like 26, 27 minutes a game. Um, you know, like maybe he, he gets a lot of touches with the bench unit. Maybe the efficiency improves because pick and rolls and pick and pops of Luka Doncic. I don't know, but I am not taking him sooner than he finished last year in fantasy, which was in the seventies. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm in agreement there. Uh, I mean, we have him ranked 82. Like I said, even that could that's be a fine. little high. If he's, if he's coming off the bench, that's probably high, but I, I think that's with the expectation that, uh, you know, that situation improves and he, you know, the, the Mavericks are going to need him at the end of the day. So, well, yeah, yeah. I don't, he's, he's somebody I did not feel that we needed to bump up whatsoever. Uh, let, let's touch real quickly on Miles Bridges, who's at 85. I mean, if you're drafting right now, I, I, I don't know. I, unless you're one of those like people who has like a moral opposition to drafting like Deshaun Watson or Ray Rice or Andrew Peterson or whoever, uh, I, I guess you could you could do that. But I don't know. Like, I have no idea if he's going to play. We we just we penciled him in for a flat 40 games, you know, just so he's in the rankings. Like, he, he's gonna it's going to be something we have to consider. It's weird to me that we have not really gotten any news. On this situation, uh, you know, like he's still technically a free agent, right? I mean, it was it was like the day before yeah. he was going to resign with the Hornets, like literally the worst possible time to commit a felony. Um, so I have no idea if he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play for the Hornets. I don't know if he's going to play for another team. I don't know if there's going to have to be kind of a, you know, PR cooling off period before another team touches him. Like, I, I don't think his career is over by any means, but I, it, it wouldn't shock me if this kind of turns into – uh, Deshaun Watson last season where he wasn't suspended, but you know, everybody kind of agreed it was just best for him not to be around. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's three felony charges accused of assaulting his girlfriend in front of their two children. It's not good. This is very bad. Like it's, I, I don't know what you do here. If you're drafting this early, like I, take them after pick 100. Don't take them at all. I, I, there is no good answer. Just don't take him 40th. I, you know what I mean? Don't take him 40th. Definitely don't yeah. do that. I mean, I will say, like, didn't Montrez Harrell get arrested a while back for having, like, a significant amount of weed? And I just saw that he got it. He got one of the charges dropped and the other reduced to a misdemeanor. So 
you know, obviously it's, it's a little different comparing drug charges to, to violence charges. And, you know, n- neither of us are, I think we'll, we'll be the first to tell you, we're not qualified to speak on, on the legal ease here, but I, it's, it's also very possible that out of nowhere, you know, that, you know, some sort of evidence is thrown out and all of a sudden he's back in the mix. So I don't know. I mean, I don't really have any draft advice. You know, we just, I just think we need to acknowledge that he's in there and you're going to have to make that call at some point. I don't know. For me, it's probably just a non-consideration. Agreed. Keegan Murray comes in at number 90. I, I'm pretty optimistic on Keegan Murray. He, of all the rookies, I think he impressed me most at Summer League. He was wildly consistent, played essentially the exact same game that he used at Iowa to dominate the Big Ten. Um, looked Just looked really good, looked really smart. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the drawback, I guess, is he's joining a Kings team that, like, for the first time ever, ha- actually has, like, several options ahead of him. So I, I think he probably starts the year as the fourth option at best, and it's hard to see him you know, pulling his way anywhere past the third option behind Fox and Sabonis. So ultimately I, I think he'll, he'll be a role player in year one, but I, I think if there's somebody who could be this year's Franz Wagner, he's the, the very obvious candidate. I'm with you on that. Um, you know, if you, if, if someone's listening to this and hasn't watched his summer league highlights, you should do it. He just looks like he looks like he's been playing NBA basketball for a long time. Um, I think he'll be a, a great fit right away. He'll start at power forward for a team that's really thin at power forward, by the way. So I think maybe he sees he could see 34 minutes a game, and that would not surprise me. Um, so that that has to be a consideration as well. Yeah, good three level scorer. I I don't see the argument for you know I like once pick 100 comes around. I, I mean, you know, the thing is, once pick 100 comes around, almost anything goes. Yep. But I think Murray's one of the better guys you could you could take around that mark. Um, yeah, I have high hopes for him, for sure. Yeah, I'd consider taking him even inside the top 100. His ADP is 93.3 on fan tracks. And again, we have met 90, so we're, we're in lockstep there. Uh, is, is there anyone else in the, like, 90 to 110 range who you want to hit on? Um, otherwise, we'll, we'll start talking some rookies. 90 to 110. Um well, we'll say we'll, we'll include, we'll go to 112, which is where Trey Jones is. <laughs> well, I love Trey Jones this year. Um, I don't know exactly, like, he's kind of hard to project, but if you're in a nine cat league, uh, he'll be better than that. We have him, we have him ranked 116th in our, in our rankings with 13 points, seven assists. I think he's just an obvious guy after pick 100, starting point guard for the San Antonio Spurs. Like, just take him. Um, you know, Buddy Heald intrigues me. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to trade him or not? It's hard to really speak on that because it sounds like they want to trade him. Um, you know, I like Sadiq Bay. Like, there's guys. Oh, okay. Here's here's one guy I want to ask you about because I think I think we have different opinions on this. Mo Bamba. Um, I think he's going to just almost be strictly a backup center this year and play like 18 minutes a game, uh, like he did a few years ago or a couple of years ago, I should say. I know. I know we haven't projected for more than that, like 24, like he played last year. Yeah. But I don't know where he gets minutes at power forward. Like they have Bancaro, Jonathan Isaac, and Chumo Kiki. Um, Wagner is presumably going to play some power forward as well. Uh, tough to say. And Carter's going to get his 30 minutes at center. Yeah. So I don't know. I like, I, people are drafting him at 106. You know, he ranked. 77th last year so a pretty a pretty steep drop i get it he's a great per minute guy at some point you just you just say hey you know per minute production i'm after pick 100 wendell carter gets hurt this is great uh but i i'm i'm worried because they 
it's it seems like they didn't it seems like the magic didn't even really want to sign him like they kind of let him float around the rockets were sort of in it they decided no it seemed like they reluctantly agreed on a two-year 21 million yeah. deal that's yeah, no, problem. you're right. You're right. I mean, that's it's that all makes sense. I, I think there's probably a better chance that he takes a, a pretty significant step back than repeats last season. I mean, it was it was a weird year where I don't think I don't think their plan was necessarily to, to go with this Bamba Carter two center approach, but with the injuries that they had, they they kind of had to. I mean, I, I think to, to answer your first question of like where do the minutes come, it's like, well, it's it's when Jonathan Isaac gets hurt, all of a sudden that that helps <laughs> quite a bit. Like he's he's not gonna play that many games. And I, I also think Okiki took a pretty big step back last season so it'll be interesting to see how much they prioritize getting him minutes like I I still like what he does I mean he's still like a super high steals per minute guy uh, has a lot of defensive upside but he shot the ball horribly last year like really really killed them not being able to hit corner threes Um, so if that happens again you know maybe he's the the odd man out but yeah the contract thing is weird because normally you sign a extension and that's a a vote of confidence and I'm with you it didn't really feel that way I remember I, I think, is it Jeff Weltman is still the GM in Orlando? Like he was on, I think it was the Rosillopod right around the draft. And he offered like the most lukewarm endorsement ever of Mo Bamba. And that, that, that still sticks <laughs> with me. Yeah. So that's, that's my main point. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I, you know, I'm a little weary of him this year. Yeah. There are other guys around that range. I would rather take, like, I would just rather take Josh Hart. Portland's sure. extremely shallow. He's going to have to play 30 minutes. Like, you know, Gorgon Hayward has upside if he stays healthy. Like, there are just other guys around that hundred range that I'm I'm way more in on that I think the organizations have more commitment to. Yeah, well, Josh Hart, the greatest rebounding two guard of all time. I'm, <laughs> I I feel like I always take him. And you know, last year we were victimized by him getting shut down by the yeah. Blazers. Um, all right, let's hit on a few more rookies and then we'll get out of here. Uh, we talked Ben Carroll, Smith, Murray. Um, I mean. I should put it out there. The, the Holmgren injury sucks really badly. Like yes. one for fantasy. I mean, he was going to be a monster and two, just for the watchability aspect, like they, that was going to be such a fun team. I mean, he showed yeah. enough in summer league that it felt like everybody jumped on board. It's going to be an ultra unique player. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully his future uh, is still as bright as it looked a, a couple weeks ago. But I mean, I just want to be on the record. It sucks officially. Um, there's a pretty big gap between Bancaro, Smith and Murray in our rankings, you know, about 50 spots. Uh, before we get down to the Ben Matherin, uh, Tari Eason ranks pretty high, uh, mostly yeah. a, a product of the opportunity that he projects to have in Houston. Uh, Mark Williams is just inside the top 200. That He's just a guy who just by virtue of if he plays 15 to 20 minutes, he's going to block shots. Um, you know, then you get into like Jalen Duran, Jeremy Sohan, Johnny Davis, guys like that. I, I anticipate that we'll receive some flack for Jaden Ivey being like way, way down in the rankings, I, I don't even know where he's at overall. I think he might be uh, outside the top 300. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, was that's actually. Too low. That's too low, too... but something, something might be up too, because we have about 75 games. He shouldn't be that low. No, something feels weird about that. That doesn't seem like it tracks. But I was actually, that was a guy who I was, I was going to bring up. I feel like we can improve his or increase his usage. Um, I just don't think they have, like, who are the other options in Detroit? to like handle the ball, like, you know, (laughs) yeah, Kate Cunningham, but I don't know. I, I I think they're going to lean on, I I think they're going to lean on Ivy a lot. I think there's a really good opportunity for him to average like North of 15 a game with a few assists. Um, It's, it's hard to say, but it's hard for me to be like, well, yeah, I'd rather take Jalen Williams from OKC than Jay and Ivy. Like, that's just not, even if the numbers say that and we project them a certain way, that's just not how I'm going to go into draft season thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, but I, w- I will go out on a limb and say I'm, I I do like Matherin this year. Um, doesn't seem like they want Buggy Heel to be there. I, I think they're going to just, you know, I, I think he's a really strong opportunity to get a ton of touches. And then Mark Williams, like, yeah, how much does Charlotte even love Mason Plumley? Like, do they even want Mason Plumley to play? Probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, so I, I like, or go ahead. No, I was just saying, I, I like Mark Williams this year. I don't, I don't know if he's viable as like, if you're in a standard league, I don't think taking Mark Williams is viable. But if you're in like a best ball league or a keeper league or something like that, like, I think you got to take him, you know, after pick like 200, like you have to take him. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I wasn't super impressed with him in summer league. I was, I was hoping he'd look a little better, but it's just, there's not a lot of depth there. We'll see how comfortable they are using PJ Washington. I mean, Nick Richards, uh, is still somewhat of an option at center. So we'll see about that. Um, I mean, on Ivy, I just, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to have a, what we consider a successful rookie year, but I just, I just don't think he's going to be a good fantasy player right away. Yeah. I made the product. I made the comparison to De'Aaron Fox in one of my articles after the draft where it's like, we came out of Fox's rookie year feeling really good about him, but he was outside the top 150 in fantasy. Like it's just, it's just how rookie guards are, you know, like you don't shoot a good percentage Ivy has a lot of the same flaws that Fox does in terms of his like free throw shooting. Uh, he's not great there. He's not a good three point shooter. Um, and in, in a more recent article, a couple of weeks ago, I, I did kind of another pass at ranking the rookies. And, you know, I asked the question, like, realistically, how likely is it that Jaden Ivy has a better rookie year than Jalen Green did last year? Jalen Green, for reference, averaged right. 17 points, three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 0.7 steals, 2.3 threes per game, which I don't think Ivy's getting to that. And he still finished outside the top 130, you know? So like, what's the ultimate upside there? Like Jalen Green was 152nd in per game value last year after what what ultimately felt like a pretty good year. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a fair point. Jalen Green was the guy I I, I pretty much immediately turned to because I think that's a decent comp. He's, he's a shooting guard. He's a crazy athlete. But you're right that Ivy doesn't have the three-point shooting. Um, it's It's tough, man. I just this Pistons team is so bad, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I, I think the minutes will be there for him. Uh, I do have some concerns about the spacing. Sounds like they're going to start Bagley and Isaiah Stewart. Don't love that. Uh, so I don't know. I just, here's what I'll say. I will not be drafting him below Johnny Davis. Uh, there's just like, I, I, I feel like the, the projections, even if they're correct, they just don't match with like how I would go about drafting the rookies, but I was still drafting below. I was still drafting below Bancaro, Smith, Murray, Matherin. But if we're talking about Tari Eason, Sohan, Johnny Davis, Mark Williams, like yeah. I, I'm just going to take Jake and Ivy over those guys. Yeah. Well, we, we should clarify. Ivy definitely should not be our 337th ranked player. Well, that, I think that may be a, a glitch of some sort. Um, you know, he's, he's probably closer to the, the 150 to 180 range. Uh, which, which I think probably makes sense with, with what his role is going to be. Uh, the Utah Jazz center situation is suddenly <laughs> very interesting. Uh, you know, Walker Kessler, he comes in yeah. at about 8131 on fan tracks. And, uh, you know, Yudoka Azabuki on some sites is, uh, is like inside the top 150. I, I think that's just people, you know, early in these drafts now, you know, trying to get a big time steal. And it's, it's very possible that, it, whether it's by virtue of a Donovan Mitchell trade or a Mike Conley trade or Jordan Clarkson trade or a Bojan Bogdanovic trade, it's pretty likely, I think, that Utah brings back somebody to play center. But as of now, we, we have to project the roster as is. 
And, you know, Walker Klesser blocked like four and a half shots a game at Auburn last year. And Yudoka Azubuki, you know, was an insane shot blocker at Kansas as well. Uh, his permanent numbers have been really good. So I, there's a pretty decent chance that at least one of those guys ends up being super valuable as a block specialist. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would be worried about getting burned about taking like Walker Kessler right now. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned, maybe they get a center back. Maybe they don't. I would rather wait. Um, I think the safer pick, if you're, if you want, if you want a share of like some, like you see the front court se- uh, situation in Utah is like not great. I think the safest thing you can do is draft Jared Vanderbilt because I think there's a really good chance he plays a lot of center um, for Utah because maybe Kessler and Azubuki just aren't that good and they want to go small ball because they're tanking. Like, why not? Like, why not just showcase Vanderbilt? who's a great defender. Um, who plays more like a big anyway. Um, I know he's really undersized, 6'9", 214. But, you know, was someone who, he ranked 128th last year per game in 25 minutes. Should see more usage this year. Not that he's like a usage guy. He's not going to like touch the ball that much. But if he plays more center, could be more blocks, could be more rebounds. You know, he could put up like Rodman sort of like stats where it's like seven and a half points, 11 boards, Yeah, you know, a steal and a block and a half, you know, 65% shooting from the field kind of a thing. So I, I like picking up Vanderbilt, and he's going 110 on fan tracks, which I think might actually end up being low. But at the same time, like you don't, it's not like you're going to have to spend an eighth-round pick on him. No, that's a good call. That's a really good call. And I think the, the Spurs and the Jazz are the, the two teams where you can yeah. kind of look now and, and try to – I think Utah's the more extreme example because we have no idea what that roster is going to look like. I, I think there's still – like I'd be surprised if Mike Conley plays out the season in Utah. Like what's the point of that? Same with Bogdanovich, um, you know, Clarkson, maybe, I, I don't know if there'd be quite as much of a market for him, but I, I think once you trade Gobert and, and once you inevitably deal Mitchell, there's really no reason to, to not tear that roster down. And, and obviously they have their eye uh, on, on Victor Wenmanyaba uh, in the 2023 draft. So that there's going to be a, a lot of, uh, I think they're that team where like last year's Portland trailblazers, where I'm like riding drew Eubanks to a league title. <laughs> I think somebody, somebody for Utah is going to, they're, they're going to be that guy this year. Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> it's time, dude. We, I, we don't have enough time to go through like all the, all the alleged deals that they turned down because they wouldn't include Taylor Horton Tucker. And now you basically deal them straight up for, for Patrick Beverly, but uh, yeah. man, it's, it, this is going to be another terrible year for me uh, as a, as a fan of LeBron. I can tell you what, I, I was actually hoping he wouldn't sign the extension. It would just like try to force a trade, but I, I can't watch like, this team was so unwatchable. Like it made it made me like physically hurt watching basketball last year, which I'd never experienced that before. I uh I agree, man. I really hope they can give Riddle Westbrook and get anything back of substance. Um Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. But I, I just need <laughs> I need LeBron to pick a side too, where it's like there's a report one day that you know there's no way that Westbrook is coming back to the team. And then LeBron like quote tweets something the next day. It's like he was really good last year. I don't know what I don't know where all this is coming from. Like, pick a side, well, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of PR from LeBron. Yeah, but right. uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I don't know, man. Some some sort of weird LeBron. Like sometimes it is funny to see LeBron get really passive aggressive and pseudo apathetic, um, yeah, right. and still put up like 30, 10, and ten. So you, I think if you if you go uh, a little meta with it, you can you can have some fun. 
Yeah, I, I maybe it's on me. I got to get my mind. It's on you. Right. You're, the, right you're in the wrong mindset. Yeah, <laughs> got to get my mind right before the season starts. <laughs> All right, man. We we got plenty of time for that. It's only August 31st. Uh, we're still uh, a good what month and a half uh, until opening night, but it's it's coming quickly. Uh, like we said, we got a ton of content rolling out on rotowire.com/slash/basketball. Uh, that's going to increase dramatically over these next few weeks. Yeah, we'll we'll start doing. You know, we'll start getting our drafts in order. We'll start doing some mocks. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll start really getting our thoughts out there. And, and we'll, we'll be doing more frequent podcasts as well. Uh, probably This will probably be it for this week. But starting next week or the week after, we'll be, we'll be doing two and eventually three per week. So make sure you're tuned in for that. Uh, but Alex, as always, man, appreciate you taking the time. And glad to be back talking basketball. I've been talking so much football the, the last <laughs> few weeks, which I love. But, I mean, this is, this is where my true passion lies. So this was a lot of fun. <laughs> 